0: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Kreisik. I used to <laughs> pastor here for a while. Haven't been around for a while. I didn't know if you all remembered me or not. Just wanted to make sure you did. And didn't forget my name because I won't be here for the next three weeks either. So I, I don't want you to forget that. Denny Kreisich. Regardless of how you spell the last name, just remember Denny. Every licensed worker in the Christian and Missionary Alliance has an obligation Sometimes it's even a responsibility to give beyond their local church. Now, it could be in a district, like a camp, it could be nationally, to serve the CNMA nationally beyond our local church, and many do that in a life conference. Sometimes it's internationally, and we have served as field pastors over the last 15, 16 years in other nations. Most of the licensed staff here at Community Alliance Church choose to do a national ministry. In specific, the Life Conference. Connie and Ted have served on the Life Conferences for the last number of years. They've served on the executive team. Pastor Ted was the assistant director of this particular conference. I served as director of security for the last six conferences. Bill goes and served on the program committee. His entire youth staff has been there and a part of it. Eleven or twelve people from our church here, the Harris's and the Johnson's and Renata and the Tolfa's and Kristen Cipher and Smith's were there as a part of CAC. Matter of fact, I heard over and over again how many people from all across the United States couldn't believe how many people from Community Alliance Church were there serving. The t-shirts came from Butler, Pennsylvania, served by Classic Inc. The Life Conference happens every three years in cities across America, cities like Columbus and Salt Lake, Phoenix, Orlando, Louisville, and this year in St. Louis. It's a gathering of six to 7,000 high school students, sponsors, and workers from around the country in almost every single state in the nation, and many of them from missionary schools in Africa and Germany. were there to be a part of this experience. This particular conference, every student was required. Not just volunteers sign up if you feel like it. Every student was required to do a service project. So every day of those three middle days... 1,800 to 2,000 students went on school buses. (laughs) They thought they were out of that realm. Went on school buses all over the city of St. Louis to serve in a variety of capacities, cleaning up trash, graveyards, city parks, and streets. Someone in the middle of it, just in the last few days, sent us a letter, and they literally said, to whom it may concern, no one even knows how they found out who we were, obviously, other than the newscast you just saw a moment ago. I want you to know the lasting impression your group of youth had on my organization. I'm one of the managers at Cola Victory Youth Community Center in St. Louis. The work was so far behind, we were getting so discouraged, we never thought we'd complete what we needed to do. But God sent a group of students, and we could feel their commitment, their compassion, and the positive vibes from everyone in the group. I had to tell someone. We felt God's love and witnessed it in action. Everyone worked extremely hard, went far above our expectations. Everyone in the group worked diligently until everything was completed. I really saw what true Christianity looked like. Brought an enormous amount of tears to my eyes and joy to my heart. We live in a very cruel, dark world, but God's love shined deeply and radiantly through the youth of the CNMA. Your work and commitment has encouraged my walk with God. Please keep up the great works that you do. I thank God for your group, and I want to let them know that we really appreciate them and love them. Their kindness, their compassion, and everything they've shown to us, which must love and appreciation. Groups from all over the country did that. It was an amazing undertaking, tremendously successful. On Friday night, these high school students and sponsors took an offering. They've been talking about it all week long. And on Friday night, when the offering was taken, $78,000 was given from those students and their sponsors to put up two community centers in the Dominican Republic. On Saturday, they had a 5K race that we were responsible for, and almost 1,800 runners ran those 5K. Pastor Ted did it in under 30 minutes, running those 5Ks, and they raised $40,000 to which the city matched another $40,000 given to after-school programs in the city of St. Louis. They came to give back. They came to receive, they got a lot, God met them in amazing ways, but they also came to give back, which is really one of the things worship is supposed to do. So often we have confined praise to hand clapping and defined worship as music. It is so much more than that. It's giving and serving and loving and caring and being compassionate, being God's hand and feet all over the world wherever we go. And these students had an opportunity to see that in really amazing ways. Many young people came to faith in Christ. Many recommitted themselves to follow Jesus more passionately. Many made decisions to serve in full-time professional ministry. And hundreds committed to serving Jesus in their schools and their careers. It was an incredible week. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your support because you let us go. And I really am honored by that. And you let us serve. I started my ministry 35 and a half years ago as a youth pastor. And now, every three years, I get a chance to serve with youth again. And from the depths of my soul, I thank you for letting me go and experience it and your support in being able to see what God is doing in the CNMA, in our young people around the globe. They're not the next generation, they're not the next church, they are the church of Jesus Christ in that spectrum of life. Pray for them. Pray that God uses them in amazing ways. Our kids came back to a youth group that is vibrant and exciting and people who love them and care about them, that numbers are high. Some of these kids went back to a youth group of two. Pray for them all over the country that God will use what he did that week in phenomenal ways. I want to ask you this morning for the first time in a few weeks to turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5. Take your Bibles out iPhones, iPads, whatever you may have. We have Wi-Fi here. Don't search the internet, by the way, but you can go on Guest and pull it up. You already should have it downloaded in your iPhone or iPad so that you can have the Word of God with you everywhere you go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. I'm going to read 12 to 24. A number of weeks ago, I knew when I came back, this is where God wanted me to go. And for the next few weeks, I'll be on vacation in a study week. And you'll have the great opportunity to hear what God is doing in the lives of some of the other members of our pastoral team, Bob Thomas next Sunday morning, Ted Harris the week after that, and mark your calendars right now. August the 11th, for the first time in the history of Community Alliance Church, one of the other members of our youth staff is going to speak, Keith Kozik, will be on this stage speaking on August the 11th. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to sneak in myself to be here that day. When I put it together, I realized that I really believed that God wanted me to return back to Thessalonians and do this last section of Scripture. And this week, as I began to study it and pull it apart, I realized that there is so much meat in these last few verses. Paul often appears as if he's giving a lot of last-minute statements. By the way, do this. Don't forget that. You ought to do this. By the way, do that. He's not in this section of Scripture. He never does in any of the others. There are some powerful statements here in regards to relationships. Those of us in leadership, spiritual leadership of the church, relationships within the family of God, and then a real deep intimate connection with the spirit of the living God. When I got to that piece in my study on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I recognized that that piece alone is so unbelievably powerful that when I return from vacation, we're going to go back to that because I don't want you to miss what I believe God wants to say to us out of those last few verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, that's us, in the family of God, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who, admon- who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live at peace with each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. And Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. When you look at those last three verses, you understand why I really feel like there's so much meat there. That they stand on their own, and I want to share them when I return. One commentator states this passage gives a great balance between spontaneity and freedom and structure and accountability. The Word of God gives us an enormous amount of freedom in our relationship with Christ. Now Paul said don't ever take that freedom for granted. Don't ever misuse it. But the Word of God does give us an enormous amount of freedom in our relationship with Christ. But it also provides structure and guidance and it demands discipline. There are a lot of churches with significant freedom But no structure in hundreds of churches with an enormous amount of structure and rigidity with no freedom at all, with policies, procedures, and rules for everything. Anybody ever been a part of either one of those? A church with so much freedom, it doesn't seem like there's any structure to it at all. And those kinds of churches with so much structure and rigidity, you feel like you couldn't do anything outside of what it is that it's stated there to do. I remember years ago hearing, a. remember the old days when we used to have an usher pray for the offering? They would come up and those guys were scared to death that that would be the day that the pastor was going to call on them. And finally one guy just simply said, Lord, do something today that's not written in the bulletin. Just want freedom, want to know what God is doing and want to know that God is able to do it. But there are others that are so free there is absolutely no structure. People are like that. You ever notice that? Some are free spirits with no direction and some are so black and white they see no color at all. A life well lived is trying to find a balance between the two. A life well lived is trying to find a balance between the two. Here in this text, Paul addresses a number of relational nuances, giving guidance and balance between freedom and very specific direction. Look at it clearly. First is regarding leadership. When you look at it, it seems self serving from my vantage point to share this section with you. That's why I love expository preaching where you go through a whole book of the Bible. You don't ignore the things that would be easy to ignore. You don't beat on certain passages that you love. But you've got to share the whole word of God. Three functions of leaders in a church. Three functions that they do. Those who labor among you. Those who are over you. And those who admonish you. Labor in this particular section of Scripture really is the word for hard work. Leadership in a church is not a matter of privilege. It is work. It is hard work. Success in any leadership role. Those of you who are in leadership, whether it's in the church or in your business or organization or your home, you know it demands work. You know it requires work. God speaks constantly against being lazy or doing just enough to get by. You want to be a leader of your organization? You want to be a leader of your home? You want to be a leader in a church? It demands work. It takes work. Hard work. Not being a workaholic. We know those who seem to have so much rigidity in that area of leadership, they have no fun relationally. But it does demand hard work. And Paul says, I want you to esteem them highly. Those who work hard among you. And those who take their role seriously. The second function of a leader in this particular context here designates some measure of authority. The Greek word literally means those who are over you. It means the one who takes the lead. Too often authority is seen as power rather than leading or leadership. Seen as power rather than responsibility. The authority given to leaders in a church or organization is not a matter of power. It is a matter of responsibility to lead and to guide those who have made a decision to follow you. When I first candidated at this church a number of years ago and was asked my leadership style, we talked a lot about that. And I said, to be really honest with you, if you call me here, I will lead. It's not necessarily group leadership or congregational leadership. If you call me, I will lead. I believe that's the responsibility that God's given me and the responsibility that I receive and understand from the Word of God. Notice how he says to lead, though. It's the only one with a qualifier. Look at what it says. In the Lord. Which infers what? Spend a lot of time with God. And spend a lot of time with the Word. Only as a leader is under the Lord's authority is he or she fit to lead the people of God. It's not what you think it's not what what i think it's not what i feel it's not what i'd like to do what is it that god is asking us to do who is it that god is asking us to be people transformed by faith in christ growing in wisdom not just enough to get by not just knowing what i know now hopefully that gets me through to the end of my life but continually growing in wisdom deepening my walk with god knowing that i know the word of god knowing that i've been challenged with the word of god knowing that I'm intentional in relationships and service. These kids couldn't have had more fun serving in some of the most deplorable situations in St. Louis, but they loved serving. This whole generation loves to serve. We ought to be the models of that, who love to serve. There ought never to be a plea in the bulletin that isn't filled by someone sitting in a pew Where we do love to serve. We want to serve Christ. We want to be involved in the ministry that God is doing here and around the globe. We want to serve him with everything we have. That's what we're called to do. We're called to lead you. You're called to respond to that, to serve. The third function in this particular context here, it says, is admonishing. Challenging us to be obedient to the word of God. It carries a sense of warning with it. When you know people are moving in a direction that's disobedient to the word of God and not obedient to the spirit of God, to challenge them to come alongside and say, out of love, I need to tell you, you're going down a wrong path. I've had numbers of couples come to me and living together and want to do their, want to, want to do their wedding and, or their marriage and all these kind of things. And I say, you're asking me as a pastor to bless your marriage, but you're not doing what God blesses. And my responsibility is to say, you need to correct that. You need to follow God's order, follow God's pattern. As a leader in Christ, as a leader of a church, our responsibility is to say, this is the word of God. This is what God's word says. This is the lifestyle God's calling you to. I'm not coming to your house with a referee shirt and a whistle making sure that you're being obedient to the rules or the regulations of the Word of God. But my responsibility is to tell you what the Word of God says, to admonish you in areas that you're being miscorrected or misaligned and give you the truth of the Word of God. But it also means not just simply warning, but teaching, helping you to understand what the Word of God says. When you come to Community Alliance Church, I want to be really honest with you, you will not hear fluff, And you certainly won't always hear feel-good messages. But you will hear the truth. Last two Sundays I was traveling, and I won't even tell you who it was, but the last two Sundays we were traveling in the airports, both days, before we left, as we were getting ready in one context, I listened to a TV evangelist on television. That makes sense, TV evangelist on television. (laughs) Never one single time, never one single time did I ever hear the phrase, turn in your Bible to or open your Bibles to or this is what the word of God says when you come to Community Alliance Church if you decide to stay here and be a part of our family if you're visiting us today you will hear what the word of God says and we will challenge you to live by it earliest description responsibility of the church leaders written right here in the word of God in Thessalonians to labor to lead and to teach Now the people in the church are called to respond to leaders, those that are leading them, in two ways here specifically, to recognize them and to esteem them very highly in love. The word recognize means to know, to to understand their value, to understand the, the contribution they are making, to really know who they are. When Paul says to live with your wife in an understanding way, it means you really do know. What makes her tick. Not what ticks her off. You've already figured that out. But what makes her tick. You know who they are. Live with your wife in a knowledgeable way. You know what's going on in their lives. You understand them. In context of those in leadership, to know who they are. To respect and understand their value. A leader is worthy of respect, not by virtue of the title or the office. But by the virtue, and get this clearly... If you desire to lead, get this clearly, by virtue of the quality and integrity of their laboring, leading, and teaching. Not just because they have an office or just because they have a title. Or they are called a minister or ordained minister or a reverend or a father. The esteem them highly, understand and recognize the value of what they give is given by the virtue of the integrity and the quality of their laboring their leading and their teaching the phrase hold them in highest regard if we're not careful if i'm not careful and those of us in ministry specifically certainly can carry a certain amount of exclusivity with it of uh, kind of putting ourselves on a pedestal or thinking highly of ourselves or more highly of ourselves than we ought to think a feeling of superiority a number of weeks ago, and it's actually going to be corrected, but a number of weeks ago you saw me sharing from the floor. And, and to be really honest with you, that's where I feel most comfortable. And, and so they're correcting it, and I, I hear it all the time, please don't do that, no one can see you on the screen and, and all of that. And I get that, and so they're making some adjustments, in the next few weeks you'll see some lights appearing here so that I have the freedom to do that. Not always. But there are times when I really sense the word of God wants me to or the voice of God wants me to be there and wants me to do that. One of the reasons I love it, I love the connection there. And I don't want to ever appear to be removed from the people that I love and adore and minister to. One of the things that you have to be careful with this section of scripture and ministry is that when it looks at that hold them in the highest regard, it can put us on a pedestal for not care for certainly bring with it a feeling of superiority. And so Paul gives some very clear warnings when he says in Corinthians, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Matter of fact, James says God opposes the proud. He lifts up the humble in his time. Peter gives some great advice to those in church leadership in 1 Peter chapter 5 when he said to the elders among you, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them not because you have to, but because you're willing As God wants you to be, don't pursue dishonest gain. Be eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted you, but be an example to the flock. To those who follow, the Word of God says, remember your leaders. Not only those of us in the ministry team here at Community Alliance Church, but our elders and those in leadership in a dozen different capacities across the spectrum of Community Alliance Church remember your leaders who speak to you the word of god consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith which to those of us in leadership infers what that we're living a life worthy of imitating because others will follow you i've seen our youth guys they're like pied pipers man these kids would follow them off the edge of the roof if they walked off of it and the constant challenge we say to them and i think they're doing it incredibly well, is to live a life worthy of following because those students love to watch your life. Have confidence in your leaders. He tells us in Hebrews, submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. As those who give an account, do so because they're, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For what benefit would that be to you? Pray for us that we'll have a sure and clear conscience and desire to live in an honorable way. Ministry is extremely demanding and stressful. One of the reasons that I'm taking the next couple of weeks off, incredibly demanding and stressful, but it's full of amazing satisfaction and joy. You want to be a leader? Work hard. Lead well. Live a life others want to emulate. Teach with confidence. Study hard. Earn respect. Don't demand it. Stay intimately connected to God. If you value what leaders in this church do, let them know. He also addresses relationships within the body of Christ. Verses 14 and 15. Look at what it says. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Back to what I said a moment ago. The King James Version uses the word unruly in this particular context here about that phrase, idle and disruptive, referring to a soldier who gets out of line. Which basically, the Word of God says, tell them, get back in line. You want to follow? Then follow. But get back in line. God has always been a God of order, not chaos. God has always been a God of structure. Enormous amount of freedom, but He is a God of order. Back to Genesis 1 and 2, the earth was without form and void. And God said to the Spirit of God that was hovering over the earth, let there be light, let there be land, all the way through. He also goes on to say, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good to each other and for everyone else. The message Version says it this way. Gently encourage the stragglers. Reach out to the exhausted. Pull them up to their feet. Be patient with each person. attentive to their individual needs. Be careful when you get on each other's nerves that you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other, and always do your best to bring it out. Encourage the disheartened; refers to those who are afraid. Help the weak; those who struggle. The church has been at times called the only army in the world that shoots its wounded, and many churches, even ours at times, has been that way. The Word of God here in this particular context gives us some great balance. He said, quit whining and complaining and blaming everyone else for your problems, yet at the same time, lift up one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage each other. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 is one of my favorite sections of Scripture in regard to that line. Where it said, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, rejoice, restore them gently. But watch. Watch yourself so that you too may not be tempted and fall away. Carry each other's burdens, and in that way you fulfill the law of Christ. The word patience here in verse 14 refers to patience as it relates to people. A willingness to move toward restoration and reconciliation, and never, as he says in here, to retaliation, to get back, but to always look for the best and do your best to bring that out. As a husband or a wife in a relationship and as a mom or a dad... One of your primary responsibilities in that family relationship is to bring the best out of your mate and bring the best out of your children, not always look for the negative and not always accentuate it. You are their best cheerleader to bring that best out. And many times you're their only cheerleader. In a world that's constantly about destruction and pulling down, you're the one that can build them up and encourage them. Look at verse 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Those three phrases refer to our attitudes and action. The intention, I really believe, the intention in Paul's case as he writes this, is to push those three things to be our first response to every situation in life. Our first response to every situation in life. There's a vast difference between joy and happiness. Happiness vastly depends upon circumstances. Joy depended upon Christ. My situation may be horrible, but even in the valley, I know He will be with me every step of the way. Even Curtis Chapman, one of my favorite Christian singers, talked about that in one of his journeys. He said, I started out this great adventure and I knew there'd be some hills to climb, but I never knew that the valleys would be so deep and the mountains would be so steep. But I know that once I take that next step, he'll be with me every step of the way. Pray without ceasing. Best book that I can ever recommend to you is Brother Andrew's Practice the Presence. To know that every day of your life, God is in it and around you. To seek his face. Good morning, Father. Good morning, God. How can I help you by getting my kids lunch ready? How can I serve you, Father, by serving them? How can I encourage them today? Lord, I am facing enormous challenges at work. The person that I sit beside, the person that I work near, that 127 degree furnace that I'm standing in front is going to kill me today. God finds something in this day to encourage, so that I can encourage others and lift them up. The intention is to let prayer be our first response instead of our last resort. Get that phrase. The intention is that prayer would be our first response, not our last resort. In everything give thanks. That third one grows out of the other two. That joy and unceasing prayer flow in a constant stream of gratitude. I don't really believe that God is calling us to be thankful literally for every single thing that happens. You can't be. There's nothing good about Joseph's brother selling him to Ishmaelite traitors. Nothing good about the injustice that he experienced with Potters wife, but in res- retrospect he could say what was meant for evil, God turned around for good. Paul would say in all things they work together for good to those who love God. Our translation tends to make all things the subject rather than God. A better translation would be in everything, God is at work for your good. I may not be able to give thanks for all things that happen in my life but I can always give thanks for the confidence that I know that he will walk with me even in the valley of the shadow of death and that I will fear no evil because you're right there beside me. And notice what he says. You want to know the will of God? You want to know the will of God? There it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Wanna ended the message with communion this morning. When I always look at a section of Scripture and I know that it's going to flow into communion, I, in my own mind and heart, and now ask you to do what God is leading you to do, say, God, would you speak to me today as I hold these symbols of your incredible sacrifice and love for me about what I just heard? As a leader, God, are you calling me I look at what you did for me. I'm holding in my hands this bread and this cup that symbolize your body that was given to me and this blood that was shed for my forgiveness of my sins. Am I the leader that you're calling me to be? You gave your life for the church. Am I the leader that you're calling me to be? As a follower of those who are leading, am I the follower that they are doing it with joy? Or does my attitude need to shift a little bit based on those who are leading us in this context here at Community Alliance Church. As a member of the body of Christ, do I need to be more of an encourager? Because I may have not been that. It's so easy to look at people's negatives and look at their issues and, and all of their failures and not always see the positive or find ways that I can encourage them and I can lift them up. God, you gave your life for me. You gave everything. For the church, you love the church. I get so tired of people putting down the church. When Jesus said, I died for the church, it's my bride. Don't you dare do that to my bride. Matter of fact, I can't wait to be reunited with her. I won't share this meal again until I'm reunited with her in that great married supper of the Lamb. Quit putting down the church. Looked it up, be her. Lord, I don't always look at circumstances in a positive way. Many times prayer is the last resort instead of my first response. I have a hard time with joy because it doesn't come naturally. The Father grant that to me. Whatever it is that you want to talk to God about, this is a perfect time to do it. The communion stores are going to come. Come, gentlemen, now. They're going to... Take these trays. If you're visiting us today, you'll recognize that the bread and the cup are in the same tray. So help the person near you, especially if there are spaces around you, so that everyone has the opportunity to partake. And once it's all shared out, and everyone has the opportunity to take both at the same time, I want you to hold them for a moment. And then I'm going to come back and lead us as we partake of these elements. And then we're going to close in song. Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed... Trade took bread. This is my body given for you. Every time you do it, do it in memory of me. I love the song that says, I remember him because I know he remembered me. The cup represents shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, so he gave his own so that you and I could have life forever. It's all available in Christ. All you need to do is reach out and take. Share the bread and then the cup. Father, your grace is amazing. Your love for us and the family of God, your love for the church, your love for the world is overwhelming. Thank you for these vivid visual reminders of what that love looked like. Father, we continue to seek your face, to be everything that you've designed us to be as a church and individuals. And may the glory and grace of God abound in this place as we gather and through us as we leave and serve you well. May you be glorified in it. Would you sing along with us?